Amen. A happy New Year, everybody. It's great to be together here, our first worship service of the year. And uh, how many of you guys, as you think about the new year, you're really excited about kind of new starts and, and uh, maybe new exercise program or cleaning out your closet or just, you know, you just get excited about the new year and, and uh, having a greater 2015 than 2014. How many of you feel excited about it? All right. All right. Good. Uh, how many of you guys, as you think about the new year, you feel just kind of depressed, like Christmas is over and I got to go back to work and I don't want to lose weight. I don't want to do anything new. I just want to be back. At, I want to be back with my family at Christmas. How many feel that way? Okay. So we got about half and half. All right. So wherever you fall on that spectrum, uh, we're going to learn from the Word of God today, and uh, it's going to have something to say, I think, to either, uh, e either, either one of you guys. Uh, welcome uh, to South Bay Church. If you're visiting with us, we're gr grateful to have you. And uh, we're starting a, a, our new year together, and we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43. You can go ahead and be turning over there in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can read on with someone next to you, or if you have a smartphone... Just go to BibleGateway.com uh, or any other number of free Bibles online and you can follow along because I'm not going to put the scriptures on screen, just the references, Isaiah 43. Uh, so we're going to be turning there. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this lesson and thinking of, we're going to be talking about a new thing is the title of the lesson and how God does new things in our lives and, uh, and what that feels like. And I remembered um, this story that... Uh, something that happened in our household a number of years back. Uh, we live in a house that has uh, the, the, the curvy uh, tile roof. I don't know what you actually call it, but you know the, what is it? The Spanish tile roof. Okay, there you go. And so it has these little holes kind of in the roof and the eaves. And so what used to happen, they're, they're supposed to be covered, but there's little gaps. And so what used to happen right outside our bedroom is that every spring birds would love to build nests in there. And uh, so we'd have birds every spring, and you'd hear them chirping and all that kind of thing. And, and uh, uh, this one time, we're hearing this chirping, and it sound, you know, it, we, we think it's in the eve, and then we start, to, we start to kind of question, is that chirping coming from in our bedroom? And we're like, no, it can't be. And you know, we're kind of going back and forth. And then late, ni late night, we, just, we hear this chirping, and we're like, that is coming from in our house. And so we start digging around and, and look behind this bookshelf, and sure enough, there's this fuzzy little bird just chirping, you know. His mom had kicked him out of the nest to learn how to fly, and he's just, and here he is stuck in our bedroom. And so we're like, what do we do? You know, this, this little bird, we got to, so, so I try to trap him, and I put this uh, hamper over him to trap him to take him out. And, and so he's, he's freaking out, you know, because he's in this hamper. And then he, he kind of squeezes his body through one of the holes in the hamper. <laughs> Boop, you know, pops out and he's bouncing around. I'm like, oh no. So then I found like a Tupperware thing and, and you know, trapped him in the Tupperware thing and, and, and put, then, you know, then he's trapped inside the Tupperware. Then I found something to slide underneath. And so then he's like, oh, what's this thing, you know, sliding under my feet? And then turned him over. And then carried him outside, and then I threw him onto the, the tree, right? You know, this, this FICA tree right outside, plop onto the tree. And I don't know what the rest of his life was like. Hopefully it was better uh, than those few moments. But, but I was thinking about what it must have been like for this bird, you know, uh, to be going through a fairly traumatic experience. Uh, you know, all these little p points in the road 
every one of them was horrible. And yet, really, what, what was I trying to do? I was not trying to hurt the bird, right? I was trying to help the bird. I was trying to take him to a new place and, and set him free. And uh, I think sometimes it made me think about our relationship with God because I think sometimes God is kind of like the, 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 the human being in that story trying to help us. And these things that God is doing in our lives, sometimes we're like, ah, <laughs> you know, there's a hamper closing in on me or there's, there's a huge piece of Tupperware coming down on my head or now I'm being carried to a new place. I don't want to go to a new place. And yet in order for God to do new things in our lives, a lot of times he's got to take us through something like that. And that, that, that's really the story of the Bible of God taking his people through different things and taking him to new places and them never knowing. I mean, even when they know, okay, I know God is going to do something new. They never know how he's going to do it. And it's usually an experience like the little bird he had where you're like, ah, I don't like this, but then it's always good. You know, God takes us somewhere good. And life in the FICA tree for the bird was much better than life in my bedroom would have been. And uh, so looking here in Isaiah 43, let's pray and then we'll jump into this text. I'll give you some background. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, just the opportunity to open your word. Thank you for how available it is to us, uh, more available to us than any time in human history. So awesome that we can look at your word and uh, the timeless principles that are found in your word. I pray that you'd speak to each one of us through the the book of Isaiah here today. And uh, thank you for uh, just this opportunity to be together with family and friends and to learn your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so just to give you a little background, book of Isaiah, uh, if you were to draw a timeline, I, I like to get, I, I like context. You guys like context? So if you were to draw a timeline, like a, just draw a line on your paper and make a hatch, hatch mark in the middle, go ahead and show that slide there, Sherwin. Uh, that w- the middle would be Jesus, he's the dividing line, we just did a series on, the, uh, on Jesus called the dividing line. So the beginning here would be 2000 B.C., and the end of this would be what? 2000 AD, which is, that's kind of where we are, right? 2015, I can't believe it, it's crazy. So about 2,000 years ago was Jesus. Now if you draw a couple more hatch, hatch marks on the other end there, this is kind of the timeline of the Bible. So 2000 BC was Abraham, right in the middle between Abraham and Jesus was David. In between those two was the Exodus, that's when God's people came out of slavery, Egypt, to the Promised Land. And then about halfway between David and Jesus was the exile. That's where God's people were sent into slavery, sent into Babylon because they, 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 they kept falling into idolatry. And after they went into exile and came back, idolatry was gone. They never fell into idolatry ever again. And through all of this process, God was trying to prepare his people for the Messiah. So all the way at the beginning of this timeline, Abraham, God told Abraham, through your seed, all nations on earth will be blessed. And I'm going to make you into a nation, and through this nation, I will bless all people. And this was a prophecy about Jesus, that he had to, God had to have a separate, special people so that he could bring the Messiah to all people, and then have a spiritual people, that is us, the, the followers of Jesus, that would be in his name. So Isaiah is right a little bit before the exile. He's about 7, 750 B.C. The exile was around 550, excuse me. So you have kind of the timeline of where Isaiah is. And so the messages of Isaiah are mixed in a sense because God is telling the people through this prophet Isaiah, you are in sin, you, judgment is coming on you, um, there's going to be consequences for what you've been doing. So there's the negative part of it, but then there's the positive part, which is, but I am preparing you 
to be something awesome for my name. And I am going to send a savior to you. And, and you are going to become this holy nation that will conquer all the other nations of the world. So there's, there's kind of, there's both sides. And, and that's how God is in our lives today. Is God gives us consequences and he gives us boundaries for our own good. But what he wants for us is promised blessings. And so we're going to see that here in this verse. So we're going to do a, a, a little bit of reading. We're going to read all of Isaiah 43 here, or most of it. And, uh, and talk about this idea of a new thing. So read with me here in verse 1. Our first point is now. Now. It says, but now, verse 1, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. First point is now. God is trying to help them to see what he is doing now, that God is at work in their life now. Uh, God is timeless, he's eternal, he's outside of space and time, and yet he interacts with us in this moment. God is trying to do something in your life right now. God is at work in your life right now. Not sometime in the future, not sometime in the... Right now, God has something he wants you to do. God has somebody you, he wants you to be. And, and we see, what we see now, so often, we live in the now by nature, and we see all the problems we see the obstacles, we see the difficulties, and, and, and we see the challenges. And, and God doesn't, he doesn't discount those. He, he, he says, when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Uh, you know, when you go into the waters, I will be with you. So God knows there's going to be challenges, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be hardships. And yet God says, I'm doing something through all of that. I'm at work in all of that. And that's what was happening in, in, at that time in, in, with God's people is he was trying to, to, to prepare them for something great. He was trying to, uh, to bring the Messiah to all people. And so he had to allow them to go through some tough things. God does that in our life. But we got to believe that he has a big picture plan. And, and it, this is kind of a side point, but God looks at his people. He looks at each one of us as individuals, but he also looks at us as a collective. And that's the way he, he's talking to his people as if they were one person. That's how God operates with his people. And so uh, I'm reading this book right now uh, called Mis Mis Misinterpreting Scripture or something like that. I can't remember the exact title. Maybe Misquoting Scripture. But it's all about how we look at the Scripture so often from a Western point of view and from our own kind of culture and heritage, which is fine. But it, it, it's trying, the, the book tries to go back to what did it mean to the original hearers because you always want to start with what was the original meaning and then what is the meaning for us today. And there's so much in us being Americans that individualism is really held up as 
the best thing ever, you know? Individualism and freedom and personal choice. So that can come into even the church where Christianity becomes all about me and God, which is a part of it that's about me and God, but it's almost like it doesn't matter what church you go to or it doesn't matter if you go to church or not, it's just about you and God. And yet that's not what you see in the Bible, that the church is so important. His chosen people are so important. And, and being a part of something beyond yourself is so important. And so God is calling his people together. He says, I'm going to bring, the, bring the, the, the sons and daughters who are now far away. They're going to be brought close. And, and those who have been separated, I want in my family again. And that's really what God is trying to do with this group here in South Bay. Is God is trying to call those from our community who he wants to be with us and to be together. That we together would be a family that we together would represent Jesus to the lost world. And so as we're looking at the new year, it's so important to be thinking, what does God want to do now in South Bay? And to open our eyes, what is God, how, how is God moving in our community? How is God moving in our fellowship? And trying to get inside his mind and, and just imagine what he's doing. I wanted to share a story that I uh, read this week on Disciples Today. Are you guys familiar with Disciples Today? It's a, the website is, you've just searched Disciples Today or dtoday.net is, is one of the, the, the URLs that will get you there. Uh, what this is, is this is a stories about our churches around the world. If you're visiting with us, our church is a part of a family of hundreds of churches uh, all over the world, uh, 500 nations or so, just all, you know, uh, many, many, many uh, nations around the world and uh, many, many churches in the nations around the world. Thank you, Henry. Uh, and uh, Disciples Today chronicles some of the things going on in our churches. So I read this story about uh, the church in, one of the churches in China. We have many churches in China. They're, they're called underground churches because uh, they're illegal. It's illegal to be a Christian in China. Um, and so uh, in the 90s, we planted churches in China, but we, we, we just call them Red Dragon 1 and Red Dragon 2. We don't know the, na you know, the cities they are in. But this story is about one of the churches there and a, and a story of, of kind of what happened with this church. Um, and I thought it, it kind of ties into what we're talking about today. So the, the church in, in China, uh, there was a brother who became a disciple in the church in Australia. He was a Chinese guy that was in, met by a friend who, the, the friend happened to be wearing a, a Chinese silk shirt. And, the, you know, they started talking about his Chinese silk shirt and uh, he, he said, oh, you know, you're Chinese, that's cool. We have a Chinese ministry. And this, this church in Australia, they had a number of Chinese nationals, and so they had a Chinese family group within the church in Australia. And so he comes to church, and he, he meets the other Chinese brothers and, and uh, starts developing friendships. He gets baptized, he becomes a Christian. And then he starts hearing about how these nationals are going to go back. They're going to start a church planting in China, and they're going to the city that he's from. So he says, oh, I want to go. I'm going to, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to give up my stuff, and I'm going to go back to my hometown to preach the word. And he makes that decision. And so he goes back to his hometown. He's got, they've got a team of, of people who've gone there to start the church. Things are going well. Uh, 18 people become Christians. It's growing. God is moving. And then uh, the government hears about it. And they come in, and they expel everybody that has moved there. So this brother is left alone, you know, just he and a few people who've become Christians. Now all of his leaders are gone. You know, the, 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 it's just him. And imagine how you would feel being in that situation. You know, wow, God, I gave up my job. I, 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 I stepped out on faith and now this happens. You know, my friends are gone and I, I, I got a lead here in this church. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, this is not, he wasn't a natural leader. 
And yet he didn't give up his faith. And he shares, in fact, he shares his faith. And God worked. And in fact, uh, he, he, this one day in this city, he was lost. And uh, he, he lost in the city. He couldn't figure out. And he runs into somebody who he had met months earlier and invited to church. And they, they reconnect. And, and this person comes to church with him. And he brings his friend. And both that guy and another guy become Christians. And, and then they end up becoming church leaders uh, for the churches in China. So God, God was working through all of that. But, but there were still obstacles. And so I tell that story just to say, we got to always think, what is God doing now? I know God is still at work. And, and if there's anything I want you to take away from this point, it's that God sees and he knows you personally. He says, I have summoned you by name and you are mine, verse 1. God cares about you. He loves you. And he wants to do something in your life. Uh, there's a song we're going to sing that's based on these scriptures uh, at the end of our service to close out. I just want to read you the lyrics and then we'll continue reading in the, in the Bible. It's called How Firm a Foundation. And these words were written in 1787. So these are some old words. I took out the these and thous and I exchanged them with yous, okay? Uh, because we don't use these and thous very often now. And uh, so here's, here are the words. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, for you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. So the, the, the song says, what, what else can God say? This, this is amazing what he has told us. And then it's the words that are based on this scripture we just read. It says, fear not, I am with you. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am your God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand upheld by my gracious, omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with you, your troubles to bless, and sanctify you in your deepest distress. When through the fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be your supply. The flame shall not harm you, I only design your dross to consume, and your gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus does lean for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell shall endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Amen. Let's continue reading here in verse 7. It says, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of them foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witness to prove they were right so others may hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I, and not some foreign God among you, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. Yes, from ancient days I am he. I am God. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? 
This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. The second point is know. You know, God wants us to know who He is. God wants us to understand that there is no God outside of, of Him. and He is before all things, and after Him there is nothing else. Sherwin, can you hit the next slide? I'm relying on you, bro. Pay attention. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, so the next slide is no. God, God is saying, I want you to know me. I want you to, to understand who I am. Because we get distracted. And what was happening to his people is they, they kept turning to these false idols. Why, you know, it's easy for us to go, why would you ever do that? You know, why would you ever bow down to this gold statue instead of God? You know, we, we, we kind of think, oh, I can't relate to that. You know, why, I would never bow down to some gold statue. Why did they do that? Uh, the reason they did that is because that was the practice of everybody around them. And because a, a gold statue, you might think, oh, that's so obvious that's not a God. Well, not, not when this is the culture that was all around them and everybody around them believed these were real gods. And, and these statues were something that you could see and you could touch and you could feel and you could, okay, there he is. There is Molech. Or there is, you know, there is this, this huge, and they were, you imagine a gold statue as tall as the ceiling. I mean, it's impressive. And, and, and you could see and you could feel, and there was an emotional part of it. And, and there was all kinds of rituals that were, were, were uh, caught up in idolatry. And so you'd get in the ritual and there was a lot of feeling, and there was a lot of emotion, and it's, you can touch it, and you can feel it, you can see it. Whereas God, the creator God, it's a little different, right? He's, a, he's available to everyone. He's everywhere. He, he, he's obvious through what has been made, the Bible says, and yet he's not here in the sense of a gold statue. And it's the same for us today that we get, our hearts get ensnared by what ensnares the world. And, and, and you, you can say, oh, I could never see myself bowing down to some gold statue. And yet we get caught up in trying to keep up with everybody at work and try, you know, we get caught up in trying to have as much stuff as the people around us. Or we get caught up in money and thinking money is going to give us what we need. And yet money is so uncertain. I mean, if anything, 2008 should have taught us that. You know, it doesn't matter how much you have in retirement. You, you never know. Uh, we, get, we, we put our dependency in things we can touch and we can feel and we can sense. Uh, and yet th those things will never uh, they won't ever be what God is. And God is, God is so much more, and he, He's wanting us to know Him. He's wanting us to, to, to really put our trust in Him. And, and why does God do this? Why, how does God uh, interact? Why, why does God even care, you know? Uh, here He says, I like this verse uh, 7, where He says, Everyone who I call by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, it's interesting, God, just like a parent, you know, you love it when your kid, uh, when, when your kid flourishes, when your kid does well, when your kid has great experiences. Don't you, don't you love that? I mean, if your kid does something new or, or gains a new talent, or especially if your kid is thankful, like if your kid is like, oh, thanks, mom, for making dinner, you're like, oh, I love that. Is that because you're selfish and you just need attention? No, it's just you love the relationship, right? And you love to see them flourish and grow. That's what God is saying. I formed you for my glory. God gets glory when we 
give him glory, when we, when we respond, when we, when we praise him, when we honor him, he gets, he gets glory from that. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel encouraged that God is not just not this creator that sort of stood far off, but that he responds when I give him praise, it says he, he enjoys that. When I uh, live the life that he designed for me to live, that brings him honor, that brings him praise. And so it makes me want to become that person that God designed me to be. It makes me want to live up to what he had in store for me, what he planned for me, uh, because that's who God is in our lives. Uh, this, this, uh, this vacation in, in Colorado, we were uh, with Dessa's family in Evergreen, Colorado. It was a great time. There was snow. There was ice. Uh, one day the high was four degrees. Uh, it did get up to 19 one of the days we were there, and we were out on the lake, and it actually didn't feel too cold. But it, but it was a lot of fun. But I, I really enjoyed uh, getting some time to read. And I'm reading these, uh, sci- I like to read these science books that are about uh, God's design. And I'm reading this, this book called Darwin's Doubt. And it's about uh, the Cambrian explosion, if you know what that is. And, and these designs of body creature, the, all these body designs of creatures. And how all, all of a sudden, this one time, there's all, every phylum of, of type of animal all appeared all at once. And, and there's no fossils back beyond that. So there's no explanation for that. Like, how do you get all these body types all appearing at once? And, and it goes into DNA and all this kind of stuff. I, I, I enjoy all that. Why do I enjoy that? Because it makes me think about God and, and the creative person that God is, the creative being God is. The Bible says God formed us in his image and he made us creative. And I'm a creative person. I write songs and I paint pictures and I, I do art and, and you know this kind of stuff. And so I, I like looking at God and his design and his creative. You know, God is a programmer. You know, DNA is, is the most complicated computer program you could ever imagine. Uh, God is a, an artist and a sculptor. The way he created all these animals and their body, their body shapes and their forms, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And so I love reading that and thinking about all the stuff God made. And, and I, I love enjoying it. And uh, another thing I got to do while I was on vacation is, is work on some songs. And when we had been there two years ago, I, I wrote all these songs. And these are not worship songs. They're like more like uh, kind of secular type songs, sort of like Coldplay songs or whatever. And uh, so I'd, I'd written a lot of these songs about two years ago when I was in Evergreen last time. And I got to spend some time working on them and, uh, you know, kind of refining them. I just got my headphones on and I'm working on the different parts of the songs and I've recorded everything, but then there's a lot of work that goes into kind of refining all the recordings and putting them in the right places and, and adding all the right mixes and stuff like that. So I was working on that, and, and I really enjoy that process of creating and refining and making it really great so I can share it with people. And I think that's who God is in our lives, is that he wants to refine us and shape us and mold us and create in us something that brings him glory. You know, God is that same creative being in your life, and God wants to do something in your life, and it's important for you to know that and, and, and to get excited about bringing him glory. And so I want to challenge you to, to know God better this year. What will you do in 2015 to know God better? And, and think about it. Write something down right now if something pops in your head, but what will you do to know God better? There's nothing more productive you could do in 2015 than know God better. You know, if you're new to the fellowship and you're just kind of figuring it out, we'd love to to get together with you and just open the Bible and read and show you who God is as we've experienced him. One of the great ways to learn about God is from other people's relationship with God. You know, when you're learning, uh, you meet a new person, a lot of times you meet that person through somebody else. You kind of get to know them through somebody else. Uh, That's a great way to get to know God is through another person. Or even if you've been around a long time, you still learn more about God from other people. 
And it's a great thing to ask somebody, uh, what are you learning about God right now? What have you learned about God in 2014? Or what's new in your relationship with God? And learn from each other. Obviously, the best way to learn about God as well is reading His Word. And so I, I challenge you to have some kind of plan for what you're going to read in 2015. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a new Bible that you get, or maybe it's a, a Bible in a year uh, that you go through. And Odessa has just started reading this. Uh, it's called the Story Bible, I think. It's by Max Lucado, and it's, it's basically he goes through the whole Bible, but in a narrative form. So in a story form. So it takes out the, the chapters and verses, and, 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 and some of the parts that repeat, it's just all kind of in one story form. And so, it, it, actually, you can read the whole Bible in a year with a lot less reading because it's kind of condensed. And uh, so she's reading that and enjoying that. Have some kind of plan of something you're going to read. I just bought a new Bible called the Amplified Bible that goes into the original text and gives you kind of some background and stuff. But have some kind of plan. I want to know God better in 2015. Amen? All right, last point. New. Verse 16. New. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He's talking there about uh, when he delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. And, and you know, the, we all probably know the story of where the, the, the Pharaoh's army followed. And so you have the greatest army on earth following a bunch of Israelites who have I mean, they, they have no army. They were slaves. And so thousands and thousands of people come out of this country, and you, they're followed by the greatest army by, on earth. I mean, it's an amazing story. And, and, and God leads them through the Red Sea. And so as the Pharaoh's army is coming in, the, the sea closes in, and they're all drowned. And they're all, the, the greatest army on earth is suddenly destroyed in an instant. The, so God is reminding them of who he is. And that's important to, to remember who God is in our lives. But then in verse 18, he says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. See, that's who we are and why God formed us, so we would bring him praise. So God, God says, I am doing something new. I'm making streams in the wasteland. Don't dwell on the past. You know, there's such a tendency for us to get frozen sometimes by just, you know, going over the past and the past and the past and the past and not thinking about the future. And not seeing with eyes of faith. Even if you, you made some great steps of faith in the past, you can often just get paralyzed as you look forward. And God wants us not to forget the great things he's done, but to forget the, the hurts and the bitterness and the, the, the challenges. And, you know, and, and be able to go, okay, what is God doing that's new? He says, don't you perceive it? I'm doing something new. Why does he use the example of streams in the wasteland? for what he does. And he says that, you know, I, I give streams to the, the, these animals that live in the wasteland. Why does he give that example? I think because that's what we tend to focus on is why not? And, and, and why things can't change and what we don't have. We focus on uh, what is not possible. And, and, and that, so the analogy is in the wasteland and in, in the desert, you go, well, nothing could grow here. Nothing is possible here. And yet God says, I bring streams to that desert. 
I can do anything. Anything is possible for me, no matter what the environment, no matter what the challenges. I can do anything. And so you got to kind of open your eyes to what is the new thing God is doing. What does God want to do? How do we see things with fresh eyes? How do, we see, how do you see your own life with fresh eyes? We're all coming at 2015 from different positions and different you know, chapters in our lives. And the challenge is to kind of see everything new. And, you know, it, it can be hard. I think especially when you get a little older, uh, it can be hard to see things with fresh eyes. I know for myself personally, I've been here now 22 years in L.A. I grew up in Colorado and became a disciple in Colorado. And I was asked to move out here to help build the church here in L.A. because the church was new and to help be a part of it and help, help with the music ministry and help build the church. And I've been here 22 years now. And so that's kind of a long time. And, uh, you know, my kids were all born here, and they're growing up here. The house I'm in, I've been there 12 years. And I was walking around in my neighborhood praying the other day and going, God, help me to see this neighborhood fresh. You know, the way that I, I thought about it when I first moved in, like who could become Christians in this neighborhood, and what could God do here? You know, because after a while, you start to get stale. And I, I feel like I've gotten stale spiritually, and I want to see, this year I really want to see my neighborhood and see my life and see my job and see my kids, see all of it with fresh eyes. You know, what is the new thing that God wants to do here? Uh, I found something on the web. I can't take credit for this, uh, but it's uh, how to have a new start. And I thought this would be a, a good practical thing we could look at together. How to have a fresh start. And, and so that th th there's five things that start with the letters of start. Uh, number one, stop making excuses. Uh, you know, we can be stuck because we make excuses. Sort of like the stream, you know, the wasteland. It's a desert, God. You can't do anything here. And God says, I make streams in the wasteland. God can do anything. Stop making excuses. When, when Jesus uh, saw this man that was paralyzed and wanted to get, the first thing he asked him is, do you want to get well? And the guy made excuses, right? Because when we're stuck in a certain condition for a long time, we, we get stuck by our excuses. Uh, second thing, take inventory. Look at yourself, look at your life, look at God, look at who he is and what he does and go, okay, what, what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, what is the new thing God wants to do? Take inventory and go, okay, what, what does God want to do in my life in 2015? Take inventory and go, what, what needs to really change? What needs to really, uh, what's great, what, what needs to, to get better? Number three, act in faith. God never works, if you read the Bible, God never works by just, uh, you know, giving us uh, like, like, the way he always works is he, he calls us to act in faith. Like we got to step out in a, in a sense of you're stepping out and you're depending on him where only he can come through. Uh, it's never just safe. It's never just easy to, to grow spiritually. It, there's always that kind of stepping off point where you go, oh God, you're going to have to be with me as I take this step. And so we got to act in faith. Take a spiritual step of faith this year in some way. Do something that scares you spiritually. And, and, and that's the way you're really going to grow is to act in faith. The fourth one, refocus. Uh, get, get, as you're reading the Bible, as you're getting to know God better, as you're, as you're uh, trying to figure out what he wants to do in your life, refocus on what is essential. What is the most important? What has eternal consequences in my life? And lastly, trust. Trust that God has a plan. Trust that God is leading you somewhere. Just like the scripture said that, that we were reading about, that when, when you're going through the water, when you're going through the river, when you're going through the fire, trust that God has a plan for you. Uh, I wanna, I'm going to close out here in a minute with a, with a song that I wrote a couple years ago called New Day. 
And it's a prayer about um, uh, God working in our lives. And uh, there's a line in there I want to kind of explain and, and, uh, and share with you, and then I'll, I'll sing the song. But uh, there's a line that says, uh, Every turn of shoreline brings a bay that's even more beautiful. And that line, what inspired that line is I was on a hike a number of years ago in, in PV. And you know how PV has all these points? And, and, and you know, you're walking along and you, you just, you can see the end of the point and you're like, I just got to get there. And you're hiking and hiking, you get to that point and then you turn the corner and then boom, there's this other beautiful bay. You know, and you hike along that bay, you get to another point. It was a long, you know, many hours hike. You get to another point and then there's another beautiful bay. And I just thought that's kind of what God does in our lives. You know, there's, you, you, you're kind of looking at some point, and you get there, and then boom, God does something new in your life. And it's a new chapter, new relationships, a new, uh, you know, new situation, whatever. And, and that's who God is, and, and there's nothing better in life than just to journey along with God. And, and to kind of enjoy the, the process of where is God taking me? You know, I've never been at this stage in life before with teenage kids, and my kids are are 10, 13, and almost 16. He'll be 16 in two months. You know, I've never been at this point in life. All my kids in double digits. And, you know, each stage of my life has been great. I loved being a young married, and we lived by the beach. And I remember when uh, we started talking about having kids, and part of me was like, no, because I love my life. You know, living in this apartment by the beach, and it's fun, and we can do whatever we want. But then I loved having kids. I loved having little kids and babies and living in the, the world of little babies and no sleep and all that stuff that comes with it. It was a lot of fun. Right. I loved all the little stuff and I loved when my kids started getting into toys and playing with the kids with the toys and wrestling on the floor and all that. And I loved that. And then my kids started getting older and, and part of me was like, no, because I loved the little kid stage. <laughs> but now I'm really learning to love the teen stage. I love, you know, how they're becoming adults and we were talking about how in our house everybody's, it's kind of me and then everybody else is sort of the same height now. And uh, they'll all catch up to me soon. Well, Dessa won't, but the other, the other side. Maybe Cora will be about the same as Dessa. But it's cool, you know, we, having a house of, of, you know, near adults in, in a sense and kind of interacting in a new way and seeing them grow in their relationship with God and having deep talks. And, you know, Marshall, if you know Marshall, loves to ask why and, uh, and what if. And, uh, you know, over vacation, I, I told him, Marshall, it used to be when you would ask why and what if, I knew the answers. At this point, I don't know the answer. You have the same questions I have. So just whatever question it is, just Google it, see what you can find, and then share with me. Because I don't know any of these things you ask me. But, it, but it's a fun, a fun stage. And so what, wherever you are in your life, you know, you have some people among us who are trying to figure out where am I going to go to college? Uh, you have some of us who are figuring out, uh, you know, when are we going to have kids? Or some of us figuring out, okay, our kids are gone now. What are we going to do with our life and the new empty nester stage? Or some of you are watching your kids get married. We're all at different stages, but think, okay, what does God want to do at this stage? What's the new thing that I need to perceive? Because God says, if you, there's people that have eyes, but they're blind. And there's people that have ears, that, but they can't hear, it says in this text. That's why Jesus all the time would say, he who has ears, what? Let him hear. Just because you have ears doesn't mean you hear me talking, Jesus said. And so it takes effort to go, okay, what is God saying to me? What is God doing? And so we're going to say, say have a little moment of silent prayer on your own and just talk to God about uh, whatever he's put on your heart right now with this lesson and this idea of, of a new thing in your life. And then I'm going to sing this song 
uh, called New Day. It's a prayer, so you know I, I encourage you to pray the, pray these words along with me as I sing it, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll continue on with uh, with our offering in the end of the service. Let's go ahead and uh, have a silent time of silent prayer. 